It's time once again for the weekly adventures of Crackpot and Buzzkill, live from Gitmo Nation West in Southwest... Wait, I'm in East. From Southwest London, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in Silicon Valley North. Did I say I was John C. Dvorak? I yes, so. yes, you did. And that, that is Gitmo Nation West. I'm in Gitmo Nation East. Fresh back in Gitmo Nation East where things are falling apart and the Brits have finally started to grab for the pitchforks and torches. There were riots in um, in uh, Geneva yesterday. You missed them. Well, you were on I, the plane. I missed back. the Geneva, but yesterday the the British also uh, not riots, but the um, they're calling uh, Gordon Brown on his bullshit. The uh, the, the workers at uh, what is it Total and a few other um, outfits, and uh, we had a, a wild wildcat strike. Total is the is a gas station. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the oil firm. Uh, Gordon Brown apparently, in uh, well, not apparently, I, I saw it myself in 2006 and 2007. He kept talking about, "Hey, British jobs for British people," and so now uh, there's <laughs> there's a contract that was awarded to a an Italian firm, and they just uh, float these barges, which are like floating hotels, and they bring in a whole bunch of Italian guys to do the work. The Italian guys must be working cheaper. That's my guess. Let me no, guess. No, 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 no. No, they're making a minimum wage. Well, that's cheap. No, would the I, Brits I, work for minimum wage in the same job? Would they do it? Yeah, I think they would. I think uh, a lot of well, Brits are, are ready to work right now. Well, maybe so they can. <laughs> maybe maybe Gordon Brown's thinking that. Well, if we use all these foreign laborers, they won't give us any tax money, and then they'll, that'll help bankrupt the company or the country. Well, yeah, that's probably probably something in that. <laughs> uh, maybe he's a communist. You think? So I was watching uh, last night as you were traveling on the big giant silver bird. Um, and I made a copy of this for you, by the way, because it, it turned out to be quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Jack Welch, mm. who's he's everywhere, who's, by the way, he's on every single talk show. He's on CNBC. He's on Fox. He's doing the rounds. What is, what is But he's not doesn't seem to be selling anything. Yeah, I find that peculiar. He's not selling anything, maybe he's selling himself, you know, but whatever the case was, he did a whole hour with Donna Shalala, who turns out to be the president of the University of Miami, where he went to school, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that he's teaching. He's been teaching for the last four years at MIT, some business course. And he kind of called out all the other business professors as boneheads, <laughs> so, uh, which is kind of interesting in yeah. itself. But he made this interesting point, which is which I've heard made over and over again by people in business. Uh, Andrew Horowitz made it the last time we did our little podcast. And then uh, earlier this morning, uh, CNBC was doing a world roundup of opinion of business leaders, which is about how Obama is uh, screwing up mm. by saying uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better, which is a thing you don't do ever. And um, Welch says that Roosevelt never did it. And I, so I, re, you know, I don't wasn't even alive during Roosevelt's uh, era, but I ever heard all those early speeches of his because they kept him around for a long time. And he never did that. He was he said the only thing to fear is fear itself. Obama's you know telling he's, us he's saying fear, <laughs> head for the hills. <laughs> <laughs> head for the hills. 
Well, well. So the, on that side, I mean, there's a, there's a lot we can talk about because, of course, you know, I've been watching all my little C-SPAN stuff and paying close attention. But what really what really got me is we just went through this whole song and dance about transparency, and there's a an executive. Actually, it's not an executive order; it's a memorandum regarding lobbyists, and you can't uh, you know be a lobbyist two years after you leave the administration, or you can't be in the administration. So Timothy Geithner is approved, or what do you, what do we call that? Uh, confirmed. Confirmed. Thank you. Confirmed as the Treasury Secretary. The first thing he does is he announces his uh, assistant, who uh, was a lobbyist two months ago, and and he says, "Well, but that's okay because he'll recuse himself when appropriate." It's like, come which, on, which should be all the time. Well, of course. You know, it, it was a different field. It wasn't finance. Of course, the guy did work at Goldman Sachs. You know, before then. But that just blows me away. You know, go through this whole thing, big song and dance, and the first guy that uh, Geithner brings yeah, you think in. They is, put, you think they could have put this off of, if, if, if you, you know, why would they have to do it right away? Just violate your own, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then right away you just, you know. I think Obama should have called him on and said, look, you, look, I got these rules. I mean, can't you find anybody else that's the only guy in the world? Yeah, really. There are some other employees at Goldman Sachs. I'm sure he could pick another one. Because that's all that it's about. Well, I'm not seeing any change here is what I'm... No. Well, I'm getting the hate, though. That is starting to happen. Oh, well, tell us about it. No, just on Twitter, even. Uh, by the way, I, it would be cool if yeah. you followed me. Adam Curry, all written together on uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm not following you? You're kidding. Yeah, I don't have that many followers. Oh, well, let me go follow you. Okay, I'll thank you. I'll do that as soon as the show's over. <laughs> well, I do it now, but it'll screw up the stream. It's like, uh, Adam, don't you have anything? Can't you be positive? You r- rarely, maybe never have said anything positive about Obama. No one is 100% wrong. Which is... You said lots of good things about Obama. I certainly have. I said he, he's very cute. He's and, a very good-looking man. And, 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 uh, and he, here, this is good. I love listening to you and John C. on No Agenda, but we'll tune you out if you don't lighten up bashing my president. <laughs> my president. <laughs> the hell is that? He's my president, too. I get a well, fair he's crack. my president, too, yeah. Yeah. What's up with well, that? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more positive about Obama than you are. I mean, I have to admit to that. Really? Mm-hmm. And what are you positive? Well, actually, you did mention something at one of our um, many dinners, and we should talk about a few of them, if not all briefly. You did say something which kind of which stuck in the back of my head. I'll tell you what it is. I was going to deny it, but I won't. My wife thought the idea of hiring Geithner was a good one because he had had his run-ins with the IRS, and we need some guy who's had a bad experience or two. But you countered with it. It wasn't that bad of an experience. He wasn't even fined any penalties like everybody, the rest of us. Exactly. Like they came into the office with their hands on their weapons when they came looking for me. And now now we have Tom Daschle, who also hadn't paid his... His income tax until, of course, you know, he, he goes through confirmation hearings. Ooh, ooh, yeah, no, I just took care of that last week. Like a hundred grand, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right, where's no the penalties? Big, no, he, no, it did say that he paid fifteen thousand dollars in penalties. That doesn't sound right. It sounds low. Sounds. I was going to say it sounds very low to me. And I wonder if he then also got all that freaking mail. You know, so so so. Um, 
there was you know they couldn't find forms from something for me from 2001 through 2005 whatever and so that triggered a whole bunch of stuff but what that also triggers is your mailbox gets completely stuffed with lawyers hey you know uh, don't don't let the you know we can help you with the IRS and it's unbelievable how that works i guess you get there's some public record or something that must pop up huh that uh, and here's something else i discovered if if you'll indulge me for a moment um, now, I have not had a lot of experience with uh, creditors just because I pay my bills and I usually pay them on time. You know, I wait sometimes depending on what it is, I'll wait for that warning note just because it gives me satisfaction of paying later. Um, but I've never really had a, a creditor situation. Now, Christina signed up for a gym membership. And of course, you know, typical lazy teenager didn't really comprehend what she was doing and you know, she can have as many gym memberships as she wants but she put it on her debit card with a standing order so basically uh. you sign stuff and so you know and um, she gets an allowance from me but you know it's, it's not enough to cut and but you know we pay we would support her we'd pay for the uh, for the gym membership so of course she ran into trouble somewhere got ahead of her you know she wasn't paying attention forgot to ask me and so then it's like a 349 pound uh, bill that's outstanding, and this was for in Guilford. So we left, and she went to cancel it, and they said, "Hey, man, you owe us money." So um, I, you know, in the move that had laid around for another four weeks or whatever, and uh, and then I got um, a letter from an attorney, and it's one of these typical collection letters. It's been you know th- th- this. Um, I should actually read it verbatim, but this has been handed over to us and whatever. And uh, so I figured I'll do that when I get back. And then Christina sent me, because they really started harassing her, she sent me uh, a text while I was in San Francisco. And so I called the company up, the the gym company, and uh, they said, oh, 349 pounds. And so I gave my debit card number and it was paid for. But the lawyer letter, which came in two weeks earlier, what I thought was a lawyer letter as as if the account had been handed over to a lawyer, it seems like it's, and they were asking for 500 pounds. So I think what's happening here is a lot of these um, companies turn over their debts to a collection agency, but the collection agency acts like they're a lawyer and the you know and the lawsuit is ready and they're going to you know bring you before court, et cetera, et cetera. And it really seems like a tremendous scam because the difference is you know of 150 pounds. Yeah, that's their. Well, actually, it's even better than that because they they, they when you turn over to uh, your uh, debt to the collection agency, they get that. that you know, depends on the deal, but generally speaking, they get like half of that, and then whatever else they can tack on. So they're like making right. more money. Than, yeah. Well, they, this is a crooked business, and the fact of the matter is, it's r- rampant in this country. I didn't even know what was going well, on so, over there. Well, so this is my point: is I didn't know about this just because I've never been in that in that situation. And let that be a warning that you know it's real easy to fall for this, and it can cost you hundreds more than necessary. We have a bunch of consumer protection laws in this country that are not enforced, that prevent all kinds of bad practices that these guys execute constantly. And you have to almost hound the attorney general or the uh, consumer protection department of the state government or whatever, whoever it is, to uh, get action. Because these guys will call you in midnight. There's just a million little tricks that they pull, and most of which are illegal and then again not enforced. I mean, it seems as though in the United States ever since the uh, – 
I guess it began with the first Bush administration, just maybe even the Reagan or maybe even the Carter. I don't know. It it just keeps going further back. But it's just the consumer protection laws have been weakened. A lot of them have been taken off the books. They've been, you know, usually through some sort of a a rider on some other bill, you know, to save the children. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) let's stick some stuff in there. Yeah, let's stick some stuff in here. What are you going to do about it? But it's a pre- it's a predatory children. It's a it's a predatory practice, though. This is this is really very yeah, no, very a, wrong. Yeah, it's a total predatory practice, and nobody does anything about it. There's no uh, agency that cares. Uh, Obama, I doubt he's going to do crap. You know, talking about and I, when I see some <laughs> consumer protection action from him, then I'll, I'll I'm totally on board. But I'm not seeing. You know, I, I never even heard that during all his campaigning. You know the, these like these payday loans. Well, you, yeah. well, there was a whole bunch of stuff on sixty minutes with. Or, you know, guy goes in. Some poor guy was a who's a veteran. In fact, the the, the uh, army's very concerned about this. You know, the guys will go in and they'll take they take one of these payday loans out where you you know you give them your uh, you get a loan for what your next check's going to be and you have to pay them some ridiculous amount of uh, fee and if you don't pay it, it, all of a sudden you owe like thousands, thousands of thousands of dollars. Yeah. <coughs> well. Excuse me. There's loan a, sharking, <coughs> legal loan sharking. There's a couple things about the administration, uh, which kind of lo- runs along these lines because it comes down to legalese, you know, and and the uh, the the small disclaimers, etc., and and really the fine print. And so there's two things. I'm going to turn off the f- Skype chat if you guys try to call me. Don't be idiots. I hate that. <laughs> idiots. Can't you hear? Oh, that's fun. It goes bloop bloop. I'm like turning off all the sounds here. Idiots. Um, yeah, I figured I'd give them a, toss them a bone, give them a Skype chat. What do they do? So the first thing that's really starting to irk me is the stimulus package, according to John, your president and my president, will, and here's the quote, everyone says it exactly the same, create or save 3 million jobs. Now, that's a, there's a big difference between saving and creating. <laughs> I, I mean, there's like that. there's like a six million job difference between the two. That's funny. And yeah, I mean, you could say, well, yeah, well, we saved three million jobs. How do you know you didn't? Yeah, I mean, it's so uh, that's Actually, that's legally well go back and say whatever the employment say we got forty million people working. You can come back and say we saved more than three million. Oh jobs. yeah, oh forty well, million jobs. Every person working today, we we save their job. And that is exactly what's going on. There was there's a C-SPAN clip which I'll send you the link of um, uh, um I think he's a representative. I think he's a I don't know if he's a senator or if he's in the House of Representatives. Does, either way, and he literally says, you know, Hank Paulson. It must have been the Senate. Hank Hank Paulson. No, it came to the House. And uh, said, you know, uh, and this was the one day where over, a, you know, a half a trillion dollars in money markets started to flow away. And we need this money within six hours. And, you know, people will be dying on the streets. And he goes through this whole rap, man. It's just like, oh, I saw this. I think we blogged it. You might have. Yeah, it, it's been it's been circling around. And it's just like, wow, you know, and, and he's literally saying we don't know. Well, and which, of course, is true. You know, it's he's being honest there. We don't know how this works. But then you just hand the keys over to that bald fuck. <sighs> well, what do you, you get away with what you can get away yeah. with. So the so here's here's the big news, though, in my mind, which is kind of being glossed over is. Um, Joe Biden is, uh, so he's, he's got his marching orders. He's, uh, 
he's off, he's out, he's uh, he's on the road. They've successfully gotten him out on doing something incredibly useless. What? Which is, <laughs> well, of course, because uh, who was promised? Yeah, you know, who was promised the most? We got the poor people in the middle class, right? So middle class, of course, we're waiting for you know mortgages to be paid and health care to be fixed and everything. No, no, no. We now have an executive by executive order. Joe Biden will be leading the middle class task force. And he's going out on a listening tour. <laughs> Joe Biden coming to a town near you listen, soon to listen. listen. What the hell were they doing on the campaign trail? Isn't that what they always say? Well, I, we heard you. We, we listened to everything you had to say. I guess they didn't listen very well. <sighs> so, uh, so, yeah, so I guess he's just out. That's it. Yeah, he'll be out on the road. But it's a life of Riley for him now. You know, traveling around with the family, seeing America. <laughs> See America. I love these. Uh, this whole past week, President Obama was... Um, doing a show every morning around somewhere between 10 and 10.30. The first one was the, uh, signing the Ledbetter bill and, um, you know, all these all these different uh, appearances. But it, but when you watch C-SPAN, you get the complete unedited um, experience, and they turn it on with room noise before, you know, like f- sometimes 15 minutes before the president arrives. And it's just like a show. It's They've got the little Muzak going, you know, like doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And then, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. We will be starting in five minutes. Five more minutes. And it, it's it's uncanny. It's just, <laughs> it's really, really spooky. It's Ugh. a show. It's a complete show. This is the biggest reality show ever. And it's unfolding before our very eyes. Fascinating to watch. Absolutely fasc- fascinating. I can just see the uh, the West Wing in the morning. Mommy, West mommy, mommy, mommy. West Wing in the morning. Mommy, mommy, what's the matter, Malia? Where's Daddy's scripts? He needed scripts for today. So we went out to a couple of restaurants. We should tell you know anyone coming to San Francisco about. Yeah, I I have to say I had a great week. I don't. There was only the first night that I have room service, and every other every other evening, I had a good meal. And um, maybe with the first thing we should say is, if you're looking for oysters in San Francisco, be prepared to pay. Yeah, the oysters uh, the West Coast have uh, skyrocketed in price because of some shortage or God knows what. But, you know, the thing is, you know, we went to this uh, Coco 500 or whatever it was at the last day, and they had oysters on there. I don't know if you noticed. No, but they I were didn't. the same price, $2.50 for an oyster. Per oyster. So the first uh, dinner we had was Zuni. Yeah, the Zuni Cafe, very famous old uh, restaurant that's uh, part of the foodie revolution. I don't know. I mean, the place is kind of on par with Chez Panisse, except that, you know, uh, I don't think it was, a, it was a leader by any means in terms of uh, uh, new cuisine. But uh, they always have known for having a good oyster uh, selection. And we had... Boy, uh, did we, we had, have a selection or what? <laughs> we had a lot of oysters. <laughs> we had $90 worth of oysters. Yeah. That was so, pretty uh, outlandish. But they were good. 
And January oh, yeah. is, a, according to the French, January is the month you want to eat oysters, at least in the nor- northern hemisphere, of course. And uh, you know, I've never had oysters down in uh, South America. That'd be kind of interesting. So we, um, what we did specifically for the show is we tried a seven different varieties. Uh, a couple of them were not available. The one from Rhode Island was not available, which I really wanted to try. Um, and, and we had... Uh, so we started off with a dozen, then we had another dozen, and then we narrowed it down to the final three, of which we had then, three each. No, I, yes. actually, we, we started with... We, uh, we, here's how sad it is. Dozen, we we lost we count. Came, <laughs> we started off with a dozen, two dozen, right off the bat, and then we had another dozen, then we had the final nine. And Something we, like that. Yeah, okay. I, I, I remember the names. Yeah, you do. I don't remember. So my favorite was the Pickering, and yours was the Pearl Point. Yeah, right. Right, they were both good. I think the Pearl Point was better. And then the other one that was the runner-up was the Nika, mm. which I never heard of. That was like more like Nuka. Wasn't it Nuka? That was Netka, N-E-E-T-K-A, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's like, you know, these oysters are just a bed of oysters someplace, and they give them a name. And so for those of you wondering, it's very possible to eat all that, all those oysters. You don't feel sick. It's, uh, you, can, you can just keep eating them. <laughs> it's just basically like 99% water. I, I whitewashed the ceiling in the hotel room, boy. Just kidding. So um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was good. But, uh, you know... I've been eating some oysters now and again this season, but I was very disappointed in the prices. Those oysters typically, you know, in a place like that, usually run a buck twenty-five to a buck fifty, and then in a really expensive restaurant, yeah, you run, these, they run they run to two, but two fifty, and then a couple of those ones from the East Coast, which I wouldn't two seventy-five was two seventy-five. I saw no, three fifty was one. No, of them. The one from Rhode really? Island was three fifty. Yeah, outrageous. I was pointing it out to you. And then we had. Uh, Grouper. We right. Sp- we split the grouper. It, it, you wanted grouper. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah, it was all right. And, uh, oh, that was, uh, and of, of course, John's doing his whole wine list thing. <laughs> and he looks at our server and he says, uh, hey, is the wine guy here? <laughs> I warned you I was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know a lot about the wine, did she? She didn't know anything. No. And she was looking for the screw top. Well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we th- that was kind of good because we had a... Um, was that a champagne we started off with? No. We had a little yeah, champagne, yeah. but you know, then we had a Chateau Neuf de Pop. Yes. That you liked a lot. Yeah, I did like it. You're right. Okay, then... Um, so what do we rate that place? Is that a place we would recommend? Yes, you I would. Well, the price... The total bill... Uh, you know, for now, yeah, we had a lot of oysters, but it's not cheap. I thought it was an expensive place, which, of course, included the 4% uh, health tax, which is now uh, included on every bill. Um, was expensive. Yeah, it, was, it was expensive. It was expensive considering it's kind of like a, a, 
it's a funky place. To, I mean, it's not like a romantic, great restaurant that you take somebody, you know, to propose to them. Uh, <laughs> but at those prices, you'd think it would be. You better get laid if you're taking someone out for that money. That's for sure. So, uh, but, you know, we did have, you know, champagne and the red wine. and well, We've never really know. done a rating system, but I'd go there again. If you said, hey, you want to go to that place with the oysters, I'd definitely go again. Yeah, well, I've been there before. I go, yeah. but I just don't. I'm really disappointed in the prices of those oysters. It's well, I mean, it just keeps you from having oysters. I mean, you normally go in there in a January, mm-hmm. and the whole bar, you know, is that they have a big copper bar. It's beautiful, and they used to there'd be people at the bar with with, with about half of them would have that oyster thing up in the air. You know, that that levitated oyster plate right. holder, right, right. and they all be eating oysters. I mean, you just go in there and just. You sit to have some oysters near the bar and have a bunch of oysters. Yeah, I didn't see anybody eating oysters. Well, no, because it's a pretty expensive finger food. So, uh, people on the chat are asking about this health tax. Uh, turn the speaker down just a bit, John. Sure. Um, Sorry about that. And I think we talked about this. Actually, we argued that we talked about this on an earlier No Agenda. Um, this cool. is um, in see, ca- this is proving proving I was right. We never talked about it. Yeah. Okay. So in California now, I believe there's a certain amount of uh, health care tax that employers are obliged to pay. And whatever it is, it's like they're getting screwed. They can't afford it. And their solution was to pass it on directly to their customers. And so they actually put a line item, 4% health tax. And sometimes they even say sorry or thank the governor or something like that. They'll have a little cute, cute message. Yeah, someone's posted a link now in the chat. So there you go. Huh. Uh, so the... Uh- the the uh, that wasn't only on that it wasn't on the other bills. Well, you never saw the other bills. I saw was, the one at the it was on all of them. It was it was on, it, it was on there. on it was, yeah, I think it was. But you, you know, have the copies in your wallet. You should check. No, I throw those out. I de- I destroy the evidence. <laughs> I'm so used to it. I never had never take anything from a hotel or a restaurant back, man. You might have to explain yourself later. To who? Who cares? <laughs> there we go. Hey, I didn't now fill out. I didn't the real Adam. I didn't. I didn't fill out my 105. By the way, I just couldn't. Oh, I just, couldn't bring myself to do it. Oh, so you just walked it through? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> go look that one. Go Google that one. 105. Um, yeah, you know what? I figured you were going to do that. And I figured the scenario, if anybody said anything, was, oh, shit, you know, I got the 105. You're right. right here. It's exactly I right. I had it. I, and I had it filled out, too. <laughs> it's like, just, oh, oh, crap, man. I can't believe I forgot to do that. <laughs> so hectic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I figured that's what's, that yeah. would be your scheme. That's being my that's, Yeah, sure, buzzkill. Um, yeah, so it was some, it was some uh, one of our listeners, by the way, came up with that we should retitle ourselves Crackpot and Buzzkill, and we thought it was very amusing. And we're keeping that in there. Well, we should actually give should our, second, our second piece of news, because, you know, we, we can do restaurant reviews all day. Um, but we've decided that for a number of reasons, um, we need to do an additional show in the week. So we're not quite sure how that's going to play out yet, but... Um, might be Tuesday, might be Thursday, and uh, that's pretty damn good news, isn't it? You need the applause sound effect right there. <laughs> uh, 
That's right, not once, but now it's twice a week. That's right, Crackpot and Buzzkill. <laughs> Voila. So, um, okay, so that was the uh, Zuni Cafe. I give it a B. You want to go to the second review or you want to do it somewhere midstream so we don't kill people with food? Yeah, we'll put it off later. That'll make okay. it be more agonizing. All right. We got to come back to it, though. Um, I got stuff on the list. How about you? Okay, go. I'm I'm, I'm ready to rock. I, uh, I did gave you my stuff. It was Jack Welch. Yeah. Well, Jack Jack Welch. It, it is interesting though that that I've seen him on every. He you know he's he's co-hosting CNBC in the morning. It, it must be like a. It, you're right. It must be about Jack Welch and not about anything else, or maybe. I don't know what it is. Hey, babe. Well, even with this thing at, yeah. at the University of Miami, the problem with Welch, I don't know how old he is. We could probably somebody could Recording. Twitter it to us. But um, Jack Welch, he's uh, he's got to be near 70, 70. 70. Yeah, 70. Sure. But he uh, obviously, you know, he's still irked about the fact that they took his jet away. I mean, I think they screwed him <laughs> at General Electric because they, he made a deal with him. Yeah. And then they took it away. Wasn't that under similar circumstances to like corporate greed or something? And yeah, it was something like that. Some some BS. He only wanted to use a damn jet. So anyway, um so they retires and they screw him, of course, which I'm sure has got to be something he discusses once in a while. But the problem is he he sounds like he's drunk. You know, he, <laughs> he does just, a little bit. He does. He's or just, like you know, he's he just kind of crazy. Yeah, and then he he starts talking about stuff, and he just you get you got when you see this thing, you'll see what I'm talking about. He goes, and then the and there's there's guys that are like uh uh this uh, Kelly at um uh his name's Kelly's uh at federal uh, um and anyway he's uh it just it's just like this Jack <laughs> complete a sentence, will you already? <laughs> he can't complete a sentence, and he's they can't remember anybody's name. But you know what it is? It's all these guys who are like my age and your age, they're all falling over themselves because, you know, Jack Welch was legendary as a business leader. You know, he was like the kind of guy that you wanted to have as president. And, yeah, and, and there's just such a fawning over him that they're, they're overlooking the obvious, which is, yeah, the guy's no longer TV appropriate. You know, he's just, right. <laughs> he's just a mess. He is. But he's a mess. But the funny thing, and he's, and he slurs and he's, yeah. and he's got a mush mouth. He doesn't enunciate. But he, uh, I've always thought he was overrated because, I mean, it was a pig in, it was a pig in a hurricane, you know, when General Electric's money went way up. I mean, that was during an era where everybody was just growing like crazy, no matter how incompetent you were. That said, when you listen to him give his basics on this and that, he's great. I mean, he probably, maybe I'm wrong that he, you know, because I always had this, you know, he spent most of his time writing books about himself mm. instead of actually managing anything, which may have been a good thing. Him and his wife. I don't know. His He's eight, not Al Sloan, let's put it that way. <laughs> but that is, uh, but you're right, that is that is rather interesting. Um, right, and his wife does all his writing. Well. And why is she bylined with him on the column well, that they do? Because she's instrumental. She is the woman behind his success. I don't think that's the reason. Jack, if you're going to make me do all this work, I want <laughs> I want name credit. Right. I want my credit, damn it. Uh, at a certain point, you know, you get you get these women, and I think she's, I believe she is somewhat younger than he is. I would hope. 
Yeah, but you get to you get to a point where you know if the guy is just kind of out of a job, you know, Welsh has money, but you know he he doesn't have a jet. You know, women care more about jets than than money. You know, and then she's she's kind of still young and she's still kind of milfy looking. That's got to be hard, man. When you make that bed and then you got to lie in it until the guy kicks it. Right, you never know. This guy could go for another twenty. Jeez, she's like, hey, yeah, get up earlier. <laughs> wake up, wake wait, up, Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> it is it's time for CNBC. HR six forty five. This is House Resolution Bill proposed for the introduction of FEMA camps in the United States. Yeah, well, just in case there's a natural disaster, you need to put some people someplace. Yeah, but the the reason why this is so big in the circles that I travel in, John, is that the the so-called FEMA camps and the uh, stacks of plastic coffins and uh, the barbed wire and uh, so many different videos are on YouTube of these FEMA camps, FEMA camps, FEMA camps. And now here it is, a legitimatization of FEMA camps. So basically the legalese to support these camps that have already been built. And yeah, sure, it's for, an, uh, in fact, it's to provide temporary housing, medical, humanitarian assistance to individuals and families dislocated due to an emergency or major disaster. Well, what would they, do you, are they showing that there's barbed wire around these things? Yeah, with the barbs pointing inwards. Why would they do that? To keep people in. But why? I mean, what would they want to keep them in there for? If they're if they're from some natural disaster, it doesn't make any sense. Well, so no, who wrote no, this well, bill? <clears throat> Let me tell you, uh, Mr. Hastings of Florida. Okay, that's a good excuse, uh, Katrina. Yeah, which was referred to the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, in addition to the Committee on Armed Services, because of course it'll be run by the military. Okay, and. Uh, you want the other uh, three uh, uses to provide centralized locations for the purposes of training and ensuring the coordination of federal, state, and local first responders. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be training camps. And to provide centralized locations to improve the coordination of preparedness, response, and recovery efforts of government, private, and not-for-profit entities and faith-based organizations. And to meet other appropriate needs as determined by the Secretary of Homeland Security. <laughs> well, that's the only one that counts. <laughs> yeah, no less than six FEMA camps to be built. And what they'll do, John, is they'll take the feeble and the weak first, the elderly, and like, hey, come here, we'll take care of you, come on into the camp. <laughs> to take a shower. <laughs> you laugh, but... I hope it. I hope it never comes true, man. But this is to me. This is frightening shit. Sounds like Nazi Germany. Yes, correct. But when you look at the trains. But when you look at it, when you look at the, you know, seeing the headlines in the UK upon return was just amazing. Uh, governments around the world shaking in their boots about uh, uprising. You know, because now it's uh, it's you know there's rioting and. Uh, violent protesting going on everywhere. Yeah, well, even in Geneva, of all places. Yeah, tell me about this, because you mentioned that. Oh, it's because there's a whole bunch of people around, uh, somehow managed to go into Switzerland, and then uh, they're in Geneva to protest the Davos thing, which has become laughable. You know, the Econo World Economics Summit Forum, or whatever they call it. 
Yeah, the World Economic Forum. You know, you know, I'm okay. Discovered by Scoble. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm okay with what if you say, hey, we're going to go have a party and score some hookers and slurp some oysters in Switzerland. That's okay, but don't don't pretend like this is where you're going to go fix the world. They're they're celebrating. You know, Gordon Brown was on stage giving a speech in the morning, saying, you know, globalism is good. Gordon Brown in the morning. Gordon Brown in the morning. Globalism is good. FM. And uh, <laughs> and so while he's saying that, he's got uh, thousands of uh, people on a wild wildcat strike in the UK against the very thing <laughs> he's <work>. preaching. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Well, while, we, while you were over here, there were rioting in France, and they were striking all over the place. Yeah, which um, which is not abnormal for France, but it is the first time first. that first time it's happening um, under Sarkozy's watch. Yeah, so so that does say something there. But people are getting pissed off. Well, you got a bunch of do nothing governments. Well, no, they're doing something. They're they're stealing it. They're stealing. They're stealing us blind, and we're just sitting there laughing, watching Celebrity Big Brother. Well, I guess they didn't put enough reality TV shows on to keep the public happy. Mm-hmm. It's um, fascinating to watch. That's for sure. Well, now that you're back over there, you can. Keep- Catch us up again with what's going on in the uh, off the continent because you kind of while you were over here you were just uh, stuck. Well, because we don't get any of that. No, news, you know. no, it's all about the Super Bowl, which of course is uh, is taking place later today. Right. You know, you you mentioned um, well, you told me, and I think you mentioned on Twitter that you were going to DVR the game and you're going to just speed uh, watch it, speed watch it. Yeah, but I was reading something. That uh, actually, I think you should watch the commercials, John, because uh, from what I I'm don't read- care, I don't want to watch that one minute com- or that five second commercials that they dreamed up. Which that's mother- not. Would you let me finish? You may, and then you can go on the rant. No, see, what they discuss on Twit is not necessarily what's true. Uh, <laughs> it's not really what's happening in advertising. No, what I what I thought would be nice for you to watch is that all of the big brands are all going to be um, tr- attempting to bring a positive and subdued tone, and I think that makes it in- extremely interesting to watch. So that you know, there and 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 uh, hope okay. and change well, and these types of things. Yeah, okay, I'll watch a couple. Here's what the deal: when you speed watch on the. Uh uh, with I'm using the Dish Network uh, DVR, mm-hmm. which has a 30 second button. That's on it. nice, yeah. Which TiVo Unlike doesn't the, have, right? T- TiVo, you can program it to have it, but you know you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. So you pop, pop, and pop, but you're always off about two or three seconds one way or the other because you, you know, you have to see if you're back to scratch because they, 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 oh, the amount of time during the advertisement section is, uh, you know, varies. Sometimes they'll have a. a, a a two-minute break, sometimes I'll have a three-minute break, sometimes I'll have a four-minute break. I mean, you never know. So you're popping through. There is a mo- there's a clock somewhere, but you don't have it. If the, that'd be cool, actually. That would be, people out there should do this. You know, there's a, there, in broadcasting, there's a thing called a clock. And the clock is a sheet of paper that, out, and it's used heavily in radio, especially with syndicated shows. It's, it's a, a sheet for, of paper. format clock. 
It's a format clock showing you how much time they're going to be talking and then where a commercial break takes place and who owns the commercial and then the next commercial break. And it shows you exactly when these breaks come and go and what they do, even though they never usually hit them on the money except at the top of the hour. They do tell you how many commercials or how long the break's going to be. So they'll tell you if it's going to be two minutes of commercials or 30 seconds right. of commercials or whatever. Right. So it would be cool for somebody to start a website with a clock showing oh, that right. when you're doing CSI, there's a break here and a break here and a break here and how long the break is. So people like myself and half the public, I believe, that have these guns, you know, <laughs> these little remote controls, you, you go, oh, the, oh, this is the four minute one. This is the big one at the bottom of the half of the hour. And you go bang, 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 bang. And you just hit the button eight times and you're boom, you're, you're four minutes back past. So you don't have to go to the, you have to, because you get kind of pensive. You go, well, see, should I hit it again? Oh, okay. No, that's okay. Hit it again. Anyway, that's just a thought. Every so, every time I'm back in the states after uh, some period of time, I'm always amazed at the amount of uh, signal to noise ratio on broadcast on network television. The amount yeah. of commercials. It is it's so. One, it's it's yeah. Go ahead. It's one minute for every two minutes of programming. It's, oh, you just want to shoot yourself. And then and I and I and then I really tried to extract myself and say, okay, I'm really going to pay attention to the messaging that I normally just tune out. But of course, you're not really tuning it out because that's how it works. So first, there was a, a Cialis commercial. You know, the one that ends Cialis. Cialis, Cialis. Yeah, that ends with uh, if you experience an erection for more than four hours, please consult your physician immediately. You know, actually, there's a there's a comedian that has this gag. He says, "Yeah," and he says, uh, "If you have an erection lasting for more than four hours, call your physician." I said, "Call my physician. I'm calling everyone I know." <laughs> yeah, I've heard it differently. I've heard that's not a medical problem. That's a scheduling problem. <laughs> that's a good one too. <laughs> and then, but that was followed by I don't know if you've seen this, the Durex finger vibrator. I have not seen that. You have got this, and this was on network television. It's it's a scandal. It's a scandal. It's, no, it's fantastic because and you see these women and and they're and they're talking about it but without saying what it is and then she's like oh you know what you can you can even and then she whispers to it like you know gosh you know now my mind is racing what can you even do with this wonderful finger <laughs> vibrator I can't wait you can't hold this for me I need to go to durex.com to the website immediately I wonder if that's on YouTube. I'm sure it is. Everything's on YouTube. Durex vibrator. Well, anyway, so there's uh, one minute of commercials for every two minutes of programming. So, you know, I think that by law, someone should pass a law. So you cannot have more than one minute of commercial interruption at a time. <laughs> a so law. Have, well, that should be a law. A <laughs> no, law. no, and, and it so shouldn't we, be a law. Let those guys should, because blow that way, up. Every show would be like two minutes, one minute, two minutes. One, <sighs> so you only see two minutes of the show and then a minute of commercial, then two minutes of the show, then a minute of the commercial. That mainstream shit is so over. I mean, they, they've really fucked it up. Here we go. This is it. Let me just see if this works. No, they totally screwed it up because of this. The, 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 Hello. Hold on. Is Jim? Yeah, fine. This is a different one. We've got visitors. Oh, that's not. Oh, this is British. It's a British one. Yes. yes. Well, we'll play it. Okay. Yeah. Mum, Dad. Hello. We haven't got anything in. Yeah, it's okay. I made sandwiches. I'm now we're on tea. Everything's going really well. Lovely. Thank you. No, that's uh, that's not for the finger vibrator. That's for someone. What is it for? You think? The oh. that's this the uh, the. 
But she had such a cute voice. Yeah, but it was kind of weird. Okay, well, I'd well, but I'll, I'll look for it. The sun. If, I, if, if it anyone later. has it on the chat, send that to me because you, when you when you see this ad, John, it's just like, huh? <laughs> I mean, How did they get that one through? And meanwhile, they're they're bouncing ads left and right. Oh yeah, I wonder if that's going to be on the Super Bowl. Well, again, it's all going to be um, you know spiritual and hopeful and. And subdued. Well, okay, and, well, so well, let me get back to my point then. Yeah. Now that you brought me back to okay, that. Yeah. I'm going to speed watch the game, but when the commercials come out, I can stop and watch a few of them. What I'll do is yeah. I'll pop, I'll, what I'll do it selectively. I'll, I'll speed watch the game, bang, 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 because, you know, it turns out that when the, uh, as soon as the player hits the dirt and you hit the button, they're hiking the ball again. That yeah. just happens to take about 30 seconds for them to get up, yeah. go into the huddle, set, and then hike the ball. It's about 30 seconds every play. Unless they're you know doing no huddle or there's a penalty, then you get all screwed up and you get it back on track eventually. So when I go to the commercials, I'll just hit them and hit yeah, them. Yeah, just and take hit a them. look. Just take a look. See if there's anything good there. a split there. second, it looks like a big you know high production value because a lot of these are... Well, all, all you have to do, John, John, all you have to do is watch the first and the second commercial pods. After that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. I watched the first couple of, of first few within exactly. the first half hour of the game. Exactly. Exactly. Now, um, thank you. The thing is that I've noticed is that years back back in the late '90s, the uh, the Super Bowl commercials were a big deal. It all began actually with the 1984 commercial. Uh, Apple's uh, 1984 for commercial. Apple, and so the Super Bowl ads from 1984 to about 19. Uh, 99, you know, we're building momentum, and every year you'd watch the game, and you'd watch there'd be some really cool commercials. And they, and then by the end of the uh, 90s, during the dot-com boom, everybody went ballistic with crazy commercials. It's when you had your cat herding commercial, and you had all these weird and wild commercials. And then it started to go downhill after the collapse of the dot-com. So well, the well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you missed the obvious. We had the what's up. Well, that too. Which, by the way, the, didn't the sell any. Talks. Which didn't sell any beer. It's a famous example thought, of a. No, no, it did not work for them. I'm talking about the talking frogs. I like that better. Oh yeah, Fro but, frogs always work. Right, sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the what's up thing was ridiculous. But it. But anyway, there's this. The era it started to deteriorate, and over the last, I'd say, the last three or four years, these ads are nothing special. There's maybe be one ad throughout the whole game. That is worth watching, you know, if you wanted to. Yeah, but it's it, used played to out. it used to be loaded. It's played out. It's done. The whole Super Bowl ad thing is over. You know, we um, uh, when we had our uh, previous company, th when it was Think New Ideas, uh, we had Oracle as a client, and we did their Super Bowl ad. So we did the ad, and there was an online component. At the time, it was for, what was that crazy thing Allison had? Um, maybe network computers. I can't remember. Um, but, but here's what happened. So, but we were one of the first companies to have a URL in an ad on the Super Bowl, and so we expected a lot of people to show up and hit our servers uh, when that ad hit. So uh, the ad rolls, you know, real dramatic. We are the world type piece. It wasn't funny, but it was it was you know beautifully made, and uh, so people start hammering the website. And, uh, it, you know, so as was kind of expected, we couldn't handle the traffic. Uh, that wasn't so bad. Were it not that the error message that showed up uh, showed about a broken ODBC connection to Microsoft SQL Server. No! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a good one. That was uh, that was not so good. That was like the. I mean, it, you know that you know that one line that you get, or you know, like, like three lines <laughs> yeah. on a blank page. You know, Microsoft <laughs> SQL Server, whereas Oracle the the company that's supposed to be able to handle everything, who, by the way, you know, they were restarting their own server every five minutes because of a memory leak in their, uh, in their, uh, in their own web server. So those are the crazy days, man. Nothing worked. So anyway, the, uh, so I can't get behind and this game is not that interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a good, maybe an interesting defensive game with the Pittsburgh team, uh, plays like they've been playing. And, um, you know, and you got the the, the uh, Kurt Warner, who's I think one of the finest quarterbacks ever to play ever. I mean, who's has ups and down career because he if he has a slight injury, he's terrible. And uh, but but he's just fun to watch mm. when he's playing well. And uh, you know, he's over the hill. You know, he shouldn't even be playing anymore. He should have been retired. But this, whether he wins or loses this game, he's got the Hall of Fame in front of him now. There's no question about it. So that's kind of interesting, but that's it. Yeah. I, and the I, other thing is, is that Werner's also a Jesus freak, like to an extreme. <laughs> a Jesus freak? He's a Jesus freak, yeah. He's, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't mind people being pious or having religious beliefs. None of this bothers me, but it's when he constantly harps on it to, to, to an extreme. I think there's actually some, and I always forget what, the, what those passages are, but there's some biblical passages that kind of forbids this. And uh, I don't care. Got to show it off. So I just want to go back to Davo Davos. Um, I sent you a YouTube video to take a look at, just because I thought it was such an outstanding performance uh, as it comes to yes, acts, I acts on the world stage. This was. Uh, now you have to understand that this World Economic Forum in Davo, Davos, 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 that it is just like you know MacWorld or CES. It's a trade show, and it's run by this guy, you know pompous ass guy and i know all this because uh ray lane one of our investors you know told me basically how it all works and it's just, it's a trade show scam you know you pay fifty thousand dollars a night for a suite so you can entertain it's just it's a it's a it's a big trade show schmooze fest run by this one guy and yeah, it's, uh, it's just well done it's well done yeah but it's not but this is not like uh some government you know, world leader, we solve yeah, no, problems. Yeah, like CES, no. right? Yeah, and Robert Scoble covers it. I mean, it, enough said. <laughs> <sighs> and um, so they have a panel. Who are with, you? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? I'm Robert Scoble. Who are you? You're talking. You're referring to um, the puppets. Yeah. Anyway, that's good shit. We love Robert. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't love him. I do. I think he's a great guy. I've only met him once. He's a oh. nice. He's a very nice guy. I don't love him. Nice I, you, I love John. You know, I'm, uh, I don't dish out the love that easily. Yeah. Well, let's go on. Um, so there's a panel with Ban Ki Moon. That's he. He just put MC in front of that name. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, MC Ban Ki Moon, baby, on the cheap tip. Uh, who, of course, is the Secretary General of the uh, UN. Then there was the Turkish Prime Minister, uh, whose name I cannot remember. And then there was some other dude, who didn't matter. And then there was Shimon Peres, who is, is he now the President of Israel? He's the President now, right? 
I don't know what he's doing. The guy's in and out. He's in and out. Every time I see him, I, I see Andy Grove. He looks exactly like <laughs> He does look like, like Andy, Andy Grove. Grove. He's got a little Warren Buffett in him, too, though. A little bit. Well, he's gained weight. But Andy Grove, yeah, absolutely. And Shimon Peres just goes off for like 25 minutes. And, you know, from an Israeli standpoint, I mean, he just laid it down so beautifully about the, this whole conflict in Gaza and how good Israel is and, the, you know, how incredibly uh, peaceful they are. And just, I mean, it was a... a, a f- I was stunned. But then what happened right after that is the Turkish prime minister wants to rebut him. And the moderator says, well, no, no, we really we really can't. No, no, one minute. You can have one <laughs> the minute. The moderator was an idiot from and, the Washington Post. Oh, my God. And, the, and then this guy's like, are you kidding me? And, he, and he, he just starts talking. And the moderator starts cutting him off, cutting him off. And, like, and he's pushing his hand and pushing shoulders. And it's just... Oh, and then, of course, it won't, if you haven't read it this in the papers. Really a, this is a bad moderator. I mean, if you have a, a – you're running a panel. I've done these, obviously. You're running a panel, and, you, and all of a sudden, two guys get into it. That's what you're everyone wants over. to see. Yeah, hell yeah. You're going over. Say, I'm yeah. sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're going to have lunch right now, but since, but we'll let him speak because you know fireworks are going to just – everyone's going, what a great panel that was. And, but, but this idiot decides, no, no, I think we should stop here when this thing's going to get heated up. I, I was which stunned is exactly, by that. exactly what we wanted. It's like, let, the, let fireworks commence. Come on, rock it. But, you know, yeah, I was stunned by that that decision to uh, kill the, uh, the the panel. It was unbelievable. What What is he thinking? Oh, no, I'm going to – I know what it was, is you go to do these things on events like this, and they come up to you beforehand, these, you know, usually some woman, you know, a Lindsay Nagel type. That's, <laughs> Hi, I'm moderating the panel. So now you're 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 going to be monitoring the panel. Here's the rules: you have to have a hard stop at the half hour point. Hard stop. Have to have lunch. Can, can we just put hard stop amongst the uh, certainly Silicon Valley speak that we hate? <laughs> can we just put that so right up there with look, look, <laughs> look. And by the way, man, listen to how many politicians are using this and what a trick it is because it does what, jar look? you. Look, I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, look. So there's look, and then, um, I'm sorry, I've got a hard stop at 1.30. I've got a hard cock right here, baby! <sighs> I dislike that. So, okay, so hard, So they come up to you with, this, with these rules. We have a hard stop, and you have to stop because we've got to go to this, and we don't have time to run anything over. The thing, the way it would work if you're a reasonably good moderator, you would say, you always say to yourself, they're probably not going to invite me back anyway if this thing is any good. Right. You know, in other words, it gets out of control and fists start flying. You're not getting invited back, but you don't expect to ever get invited back anyway. So you just go for it. So you screw the rules and you say, you guys go, you know, and you let them talk. And then you don't worry about getting chewed out afterwards. You let that go past the hard stop and then uh, you're not going to come back anymore. You probably don't want to go back anymore anyway. No, absolutely. In a, in a situation like that, why would you want to? It's stupid. So they, uh, I don't get invited back to a lot of things, by no, the way. No, no kidding. But, you know, there's so many things to do. Who cares? Who cares? There's plenty of things to go to. Yeah. So what? So to make it even worse, by the way, the uh, Turkish prime minister, name, his name is Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Erdogan? Guy, guy needs a makeover, too. MC Recep Tayyip Erdogan. It doesn't quite work. Uh, so he he just keeps 
going on and on and on. Then the moderator absolutely just kills the session while the guy is still going. He's furious. He's like, I'm never coming back to this stinking rat hole. Right, yeah. He, got, he gets up and walks out and says, I'm never coming back to Davos again. Right. And then the, the, um, the conference organizer, the CES head guy, he gets on the podium and is like, well, you know, we're working towards solving world peace and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, everyone's like, blah, blah, can you believe this shit? What's going on? No one's listening to him. And then on stage, I don't know if this was on the YouTube clip, because no. uh, I, I saw it either live or at least, you know, unedited. Then, uh, you know, Perez is walking around and, you know, shaking everyone's hand. And you can you can almost hear them say, wow, that guy was a tool, you know, the, <laughs> that's sucking up to him. It was just an incredible performance. You owe it to your general development to see this and to listen to how eloquently this man uh, told his story. True yeah, or not, he, doesn't matter. Well, true or not, doesn't matter. But he's, you know, you have to realize that the Turks have been under a lot of. Uh, I mean, they're essentially being run by uh, uh, by the Europe, front, uh, front. by by the European Union. No, no, no. They got the well, yeah. There's that element, but yeah. the other thing is that there's radical Muslims that have basically taken over, and they're going to really make that country ruin it. Well, this, so well, this they, was a step. They, I mean, this there's no reason for the Turks to be in, even care about Israel or the Gaza or anything else. So, what is the point of that? Your analysis is spot on with uh, with what I'm reading. That this really makes a whole bunch of shit happen in Turkey that just isn't necessary. And and, and if you see it, every single paper, he was you know um, he was heralded a hero's welcome upon his return to Turkey. Yeah. And uh, people are laying flowers outside his house and outside the prime minister's residence, whatever it is. You know, this is scary shit. Well, you know, these, these radical groups, they sneak in all kinds of different ways. I mean, that's what's going to happen in Iraq eventually. They're going to just vote themselves in and then vote out everybody else, and that'll be the end, and then they close it down. I mean, that's the, the, the flaw of democracy. I mean, this is what happened in, uh, was it Algeria and... and you know where you get uh, you vote in enough extremists because you know they do they sell a good populist message and then once they get in they get the majority they say okay we're shutting down democracy by popular vote and we're become <laughs> a, a Sharia government you know and then so they say well wait a minute you know you can't do that no we can we did yeah well that could happen I mean, almost anyway. according to all the reports I've read Kuwait is like about two votes away from pulling that stunt any minute really. Hmm. Yeah, nobody knows quite what to do about it. Well, do we need to do anything about it at all? Well, I mean, if you have a democracy that can vote itself, you know, it's like imagine that you, all of a sudden you, 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 especially in parts of Europe where you have this huge Muslim population that will eventually just vote party line, you know, like uh, you you see here, you know, with the with the black vote, for example, um, they vote. Party line. I mean, it just there's no. I mean, there's five black Republicans, even though it was the Republicans who freed the slaves. Nobody wants to pay much attention to that. And um, then they you just vote party line. And then once you once you get a majority, they say, well, okay, let's just change everything. That's this democracy thing's stupid. And because uh, look how easy it was for us to take it over. And let's just vote it out and vote in a uh, you know a uh, cleric run you know theocracy and boom we're done we got it made now it's kind of doable i mean every time they try to make an effort to, to do it just the opposite direction in uh iran for example where they do have elections <laughs> vote some guy in you know who's a kind of a democrat and they he's you know they just 
either throw them in jail or whatever. I mean, it's just horrible. Well, this is kind of what's taking place in the Netherlands with um, Geert Wilders, a uh, member of parliament, who created that movie Fitna. Do you remember there was kind of a mini uproar about that? No. It was... No, uh, tell me about it. Uh, if you uh, Google Fitna the movie, you t- you'll probably get bored by it because it's just like a bad YouTube video. It wasn't really spectacularly well produced. And essentially what it does is it takes quotes from the Quran and then shows you newspaper clippings that would relate to that quote. You know, And, of course, all the newspaper clippings are terrorism, death, destruction, and uh, it's all the Muslims' fault. That's kind of what it is. Well, not even that. It's more like, here's what's happening to our society, to the Dutch society, and people d- complain about this all the time. So it's, you know, this is no secret, although it's rarely ever properly written about in aggregate. Um, so he created this movie, and now he is... Or they had the, I think the the high court, I believe, has approved that he can be prosecuted for insulting Islam, and so he's going to. They're going to take him to court insulting. for insulting Islam. And oh, you know, well, that's and, a good trick. It's the know, beginning of the end. Yes, it is. It is, and it, it has nothing to do with Islam. Any group that can do that can sue someone for insulting them. <laughs> Man, give me a break. Michael Arrington would be rich. <laughs> the spitting thing, by the way, did he get spit he in the covered, face at, he at Davos? With spit. Was that at Davos? No, no, no. He was in Munich. He was in Germany someplace or someplace uh, like Munich. Because, you know, he's always at something. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten spit on before. Yeah. Uh, well, I, read, know, he's just, I read somewhere that uh, and in Davos, spitting was the big thing. A lot of people were spitting at uh, people who were showing up. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, spitting must be becoming the the great uh, equalizer in Europe. I guess they feel so helpless yes. that they're uh, it, it, in that, the United States. We'd be shooting at them. Come on! <laughs> but that's it, that's it, I believe it's a final desperate act. You know, whereas maybe in in some cultures, throwing a shoe, uh, spitting it's, it's very it's a very violent uh, act. If you if you actually spit on someone, that's that's a. I, does that constitute as battery? I don't know. Yeah, there's probably local laws. I don't think it would around here. Yeah. But you guys aren't getting your uh, tax refund checks either, so you don't count anymore, California. No. You know, spitting is against the law in South Africa. And there's a lot of countries where it's against the law because there's one way that tuberculosis is spread. It's also just nasty. Yeah, well, especially when people are spitting all the time. You know, when you go to Taiwan, or at least not so much anymore, but back in the, oh, the early 90s or the late 80s or whenever, before, all, before the Taiwan island was uh, populated by millions of Mercedes-Benz cars and, stu- and the freeways are now jammed with, with uh, traffic, there used to be very few cars because there was a very high tax on automobiles, so everybody drove around a motor scooter. And so then there was thousands of these. I mean, there was tens of thousands of motor scooters everywhere you went. And there would be like people talk about the record for how many people could be on a motor scooter. And somebody. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember these days. Sure. Told me about seven, you know, and he described it. There was two two little kids on the handlebars, a kid in front of the driver. That's one, two, three, four. Uh, Somebody. Behind him, that's five, and then it was, and it was a, it was the mom behind him, five, and she was holding two babies. 
And uh, that was the seven. And he says he claims to have seen this. It's been a nice photograph. But anyway, so one of the things that you'd run into, because it was so hectic, you'd watch these motor scooters in the main squares of uh, uh, Taipei, for example. It'd be just, just, just a, it, would look, it would frighten you just to watch it, because in the, the fact that there wasn't blood on the streets. But there never was. And one of the things that the reason for this was because everybody was wired on beetle nut juice. Mm, yeah, I know, I know the effects of it. Uh, I don't. But anyway, but one of the things you'd see around, there'd be these miles of scooters parked everywhere because that's what people drove around and they'd park them someplace. And around the scooters, there'd be this, this just pools of spit. Red spit. Red, red, red spit. Red yeah. bloody looking yeah. spit. And I said, what is this? Are people like bleeding from the mouth? And somebody said, no, they've said beetle nut. He says, they have to, to survive on these roads with all these scooters doing at full speed. You have to be juiced <laughs> on this. You gotta be hammered. <laughs> well, the beetle nut stuff, which I tried, uh, was offered to me, and I accepted at a hill tribe where I stayed overnight during one of my many travels, my documentaries. Um, it's it, it's like an elevator high, like you. So they they wrap it in a cocoa leaf, and there's some I think there's some tobacco leaf in there, and then some white paste. God knows what that is, and then the beetle nut, and then you're supposed to kind of like chew it like a cud and have that in <laughs> in the in the in your cheek there. And within like 25 seconds, it's like, whoop, oh my God, I'm, I'm high. And it lasts about 20 minutes and then it's gone. And then you, mm. and then your whole mouth is just, yeah, it's, it's like, remember those plaque uh, tablets you used to get at the dentist? Right. They turn your teeth red. Yeah. Everywhere there's plaque, which I'm convinced was just, it didn't actually detect plaque. It just, <laughs> just made your teeth turn everything red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so does it heighten your awareness? I mean, would you think you could ride a motor scooter better? That's a very interesting question. It was not a uh, not like marijuana where you where you're actually the opposite of high. Um, it might it might have. I mean, I've never done coke or anything like that, so I, I can't compare it to that. So maybe the cocoa leaf had something to do with it. You know, those guys they're basically making opium, so maybe that paste was opium. God knows, right? Yeah, could be anything. But uh, so uh, the women chew it all day long. So I guess they're using it as an upper to keep them going. Well, there's a lot of uh, obscure uppers out there. Like cat is one of them. What's K-A-T. that? Cat. 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 Or K H A T. One of the two. I think it's K H A T. Cat. <laughs> cat is a. Uh, it's just a, some weed that grows in north in some parts of Africa, I guess, and it's used by Africans to you know stay stay awake all day. Um. And I'm always surprised. Some and there's all of these, you know, like betel nut and cat, and there's a, I, you know, there's a laundry list of these things that are used here and there, and they've never, you know, they never, be, you know, they've never brought over here to become popular. Uh, I'm always wondering uh, what the mechanism is for something to arrive, and the next thing you know, everybody's all, you know, using it. I think uh, probably uh, supply and demand. You know, that that's how um, crystal meth became uh, popular. You know, it's. Uh, there wasn't enough of whatever people wanted to smoke or take, and the cheap alternative was buying uh, NyQuil and uh, creating crystal meth out of it. Yeah. Worst that, stuff in which, the world. Which crystal meth, by the way, is bad. I mean, you have no idea how many people are hooked on this shit. And you can usually tell by looking at them. The thing about I knew, actually, when I first went to the University of California, when people were, like, hooked on... Uh, 
students were hooked on various forms of methadrine or dexedrine or benzedrine or one thing or another. Yeah. They always had, and I, you talk about this with anybody, they had no butts. <laughs> It's like, you know, if you want to have a zero, I mean, no butt. I mean, there was nothing. Really? They had no butt. It was just like they would wear the pant, regular pants and there'd be no butt there. And crystal meth is you can spot these people a mile away. They got absolutely no butt. There's no butt in existence. <laughs> you heard it here first. Look around. Okay. Hey, you're really highly qualified for this job, but I'm sorry. You got no butt, so you must be on crystal meth. I can't hire you. Here's a question for you, John. Who controls or would you say is in charge of the sea? The sea? Yes. Any the United sea. Nations, we'll say. We'll say the United Nations. Just a guess. I don't know. Yeah, good guess. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I know who it is. Neptune. <laughs> yes. Now you're talking. Um, now there's this... Um, United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea, which uh, is now being driven very hard in by one person in particular, Hillary Clinton. It's called the Law of the Sea Treaty, which I love because the acronym is LOST. And it, uh, it covers all ocean space, all its uses, including navigation and overflight, overflight, all its uses of all its resources, living and non-living, on the high seas, on the ocean floor, and beneath the continental shelf, and in the territorial seas, including the overflight and space. And that wow. is that now belongs to the United Nations? Doesn't that just belong to no one? So they're in total control of it, or they will be when this uh, when this is ra uh, ratified. Huh. I wonder what the purpose of, of of doing that is, is to c collect commissions on people who mine for magnesium in the middle of nowhere or or to charge a nickel on each piece of tuna that's caught 12 miles offshore or anything. Or how about how about gambling or how, gambling ocean uh, um, uh, under under oceanic cables, uh, piracy, uh, but even transatlantic flight. They own it. Space. How about space? That's pretty vast. Every time a satellite goes over, you owe them a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's going to be for, uh, if it's going to be that blatant, but I just found that very interesting and that Hillary Clinton is, is really making a big push for this thing to get ratified. Well, does she have, does, is, can you find a rationale? Not yet. Why? Not yet. That's why I'm just bringing it up. Huh. I don't know why. But I can understand the power of being the boss of, of, of seven-tenths of the globe. I can see there might be some rationale. <laughs> I'm the boss of the fish. <laughs> I'm the boss of everything. Everything. Well, she's wanted to be the boss for a while, so maybe she gets a, a job here. She'll quit her State Department job and become head of the oceans. Oh, I have testimony from her on this. Hold on. Let's see if this works. Senator Murkowski. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, welcome to you, Senator Clinton. Thank you for your leadership, for uh, your willingness to, to step forward and assume this very, very important uh, for our country, for the nation. I, I, I truly appreciate uh, all of you are, are poised to do and what you have done in the past. We had an opportunity in my office last week to, to discuss an uh, issue. There's so much pontificating going on in our government. She sounds like Lindsay Nagel. 
She's not. She's uh, Ms. Country. Oh, I mean, she's not Ms. 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 Morawski. And yeah. I know oftentimes and she's got a bad suit oftentimes. on. Oftentimes. Often, oftentimes. Of Alaska. Um, and oh, she's from Alaska. Opportunities Come on, get to Clinton. To- oh. Yeah. So I'm watching this thing with uh, Jack Welch. Oh, no, not with Jack Welch. What was the thing I was watching? It was... Uh, Oh yeah, uh, Larry McMurtry's a you know the novelist who did the speech at, at Rice. Uh, I didn't record this one, or maybe no, I don't think so. But anyway, it's actually interesting it's about the death of reading and the fact that he owns a bookstore with three hundred fifty thousand rare books in it, which I think is. Mm-hmm. But this guy, the the president of the University of Rice in Texas. He gave an introduction that was a good 20 minutes long because he liked to hear himself talk, and he sounded and talked like this. <laughs> and then Mr. McMurtry did this and that. And uh, this is one of those C-SPAN sh- things, by the way. And I just found it annoying. Why can't people just get We know who Hillary Clinton is. We know who McMurtry is. Why don't you just get that? We want to hear them, not you. <laughs> Yeah, but this is their nobody mo- wants to hear this bonehead. Yeah, they wanted the, to hear McMurtry. That's their moment to shine. Their moment to make themselves look like idiots. Anyway, back to you. Right. So uh, on the rare book front, you sent me a, a YouTube video to watch about a book that is apparently being sent around the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the name of it? What does it say? The age of something about? Uh, it's you have an, the title. Not the. Uh, I have to open up the YouTube video. It wasn't the almanac. It was. Uh, Kind of like an. Um, it's a big, thick book about the creationism, but from the Muslim perspective. It's a, this this guy who happens to be another Turk, by the way. Yeah, here we go, Holland. Uh, yeah, you should go to the org slash blog. The Minister of Education does not believe in evolution in the Netherlands. It says here. Copies of the Atlas of, Atlas of Creation sent out to a number of schools and universities. Yeah, the Atlas of Creation. Which apparently is a beautiful book that is being sent. Is it being sent anonymously, John, or is it being sent from some? It's, I don't know who's sending it. I mean, it's obviously the somebody's behind all the money because this thing's not a cheap book. No, it's with you know beautiful pictures. Anyway, it's a uh, it's a book that uh, debunks evolution. Yeah, supposedly, and does it through fantastic, beautiful imagery and holograms and beautiful pictures uh, that explain that uh, the world was created. So, uh, yeah, we have to get copies of it. It sounds like a... The Atlas Atlas of Creation. Hell yeah. Someone's probably run across it somewhere. So did you get this link, which I have on the blog now, which is the the Tornado Steam Train to carry first passengers from New York in Newcastle and Maiden Voyage? They built a steam locomotive in England, brand new, that then they're going to put in service. Yep. And you sent me a note and said, let's go on let's this go ride. On. And I'm like, do you, know where, do, do you even know where Newcastle is? It's <laughs> up in the middle of nowhere, but it's such a small country. You know, England is smaller than California, so it's never that far away. Drive, but if you, if you had to drive up, that's a pretty long drive, man. Take a train up and then get on this train and then, you know, chug, 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 and then come back. I think it's, a, this, it's historic. We're, all, we're going back in time. Steam engines. Let me just see. Where's it actually running from? From York in Newcastle to where? What is what does York in Newcastle mean? I don't know. It's what it says. From York 
to Newcastle. Thank you. So your headline is, you can't even copy properly. I know, that was done automatically. I don't know how, how it got messed up. York to Newcastle. <sighs> cool, I'll, I'll buy okay. you a ticket. <laughs> and a Slurpee. <laughs> so how far is York to Newcastle? Is that a long way? I don't know, I could look it up, but I can't be bothered. You should you should know you live there. <sighs> I've, it's like I know that that is I know it's four hundred miles to Los Angeles. I know it's like ninety miles to Sacramento. I know all these distances. Yeah, because in because you've actually been there. I I've been told quite specifically never to go that far north. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reliably informed it's not a good idea. What did someone say to me? A flight instructor, Captain Dan, said to me one time. He said, even even if your, even if your aircraft is on fire and flames are coming through through the through the through the cockpit, you never ever want to land in Wales. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it, dude. Ah, okay. Oh, so our um, second meal. Right. That we had was the winner by far. And then we can just do yeah, a that, quick quick wrap-up of Coco because uh, that, that was a real dog. Uh, we yeah. went to um, Limon. Is that the name of the restaurant? Yeah, L-I-M-O-N. Yeah, Limon, which is a Peruvian restaurant. Right. So Yeah. This is the second time I've been to a Peruvian restaurant. I took uh, Cali Lewis to the other one that's in San Francisco. There's actually three or four. But anyway, this place was astonishing because of the fact that we got out so cheap. It's I mean, it was almost – I mean, we just – you had a lot of wine. We had, you know, desserts, and there's all this, and lots of food, and it was delicious. And uh, it was under hundred bucks when we were said and done. It was amazing. And we had uh, the hooch wine. We had some uh, vinho verde, which is uh, a, a cheap white Portuguese wine that uh, when oh, I was right, in Lisbon, right, right. We had that when first. I was in Lisbon recently. I went to a little hole in the wall bar. Uh, for some something to eat with these guys I was taking pictures with. And uh, they had the classic Vino Verde, which is it's in a, like a, you know, it's, it's like a Coca-Cola spigot. <laughs> and it goes into your glass, and it's all foamy. It's like really carbonated. And it's got very little alcohol. It's probably around 7%, maybe, typically, maybe less. And uh, it's absolutely delicious, especially on a hot day, you know, because just a very refreshing wine. And... Uh, it's it was it, it was very refreshing. It was really yeah. I mean, it it, uh, it went down well. Cold, icy cold. That was really nice. Yeah, and so that. But you don't see it. Done, you know, you don't see it much in this country because it's just you know not. I mean, we could California wine uh, uh, wineries could make this wine by the ton, um, especially in the. Uh, Central Valley, where you get huge, you know, huge production, uh, and if it ever caught on, it would be very popular. Um, I think it's a. Um, so it, it, the problem is, that it's like you know, if you make one false move, it becomes becomes Boone's Farm. You know, it's like you have to be careful. And I think there were spritzy wines that have been brought into the market now and again, Ripple, and uh, some things like that, which unfortunately ruined the market for. Uh, Something that, that would be more healthy. So anyway, so we had that, and then we also had some red wine, and then uh, it was just... Uh, it was very, very good. Two, two things of note. The uh, the corn with enormous kernels, which is... Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, Peruvian corn. 
apparently, you know, this I was thinking about that corn because you were wondering where it, what, what about. But this has got to be the same kind of corn that's used to make uh, uh, corn nuts, which is a bar snack and a snack food, which has got huge, yeah, giant big kernels. kernels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very tasty. And uh, if you do eat at Limon, Limon, or any other Peruvian restaurant, have the uh, tuca tuca as an appetizer. <laughs> No, no, wait, that wasn't appetizer. You just like saying it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> tuca tuca, which was kind of a, a rice ball with some peas and stuff in there with a um, with a crust. Kind of like a dirty cricket ball. Yeah, it was good. That was very it was good. Definitely good. But everything there was good. I was very impressed. The place was packed. The reviews that I saw on Yelp they called it, you know, the people that didn't like it too much, they thought it was a yuppie place. I didn't notice any yuppies in there. There's a lot of families, well, a lot of kids. Bloom's been a lot there. Of, what? Bloom's been there. Bloom's been there? Yeah, he told me he did. Well, there's there. definitely not a yuppie place. There you go. And, um,. It was just, you know, it was a, good. It was, you know, it, it was loud, but not, not so you couldn't have a conversation. Acoustics are pretty good. Um, even though we had a two person table kind of in the middle of everything, it just, yeah, it felt, felt good. Oh, and, um, love the waiter who kept saying, right away, sir. Right away, sir. Yeah, it was very funny. You'd ask <laughs> him for some, can we get some water? Right, right away, away, sir. Right away. And right away. Shoot off. <laughs> and he would bring it right away. Yeah. And that was but pretty good. I like good. that, that right away thing. Yeah. Uh, I did have dinner with Ron um, on Thursday, yeah, after our board meeting at Flytrap. You ever been there? It's right near the hotel. Uh, I've been past it. I've never eaten there. No. Don't. <laughs> well, with a name like Flytrap, <laughs> why would you? <laughs> it is a yuppie place. That, But it is a place if you want to take a date to just talk intimately, it's a good place for it. Kind of off to mm. the side. But the food mm. isn't anything spectacular. And then we had... So anyway, Limon, we we give an A to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And, um, but again, not another romantic. It's not romantic there either. So no, don't take somebody no, to ask them to no, marry you. Not, no, not romantic. Well, you can always put the ring in the tuca tuca. <laughs> you swallowed it. <laughs> it was so good. I didn't feel like chewing. And then we had uh, dinner last night at... Uh, Coco, and uh, I did want to mention that uh, you booked that through Open Table. They filed for an IPO. Open Table did. Yeah. How about them huh. apples? Huh. Yeah, they filed yeah. for an IPO, and they get apparently they get a dollar per diner who books through their system. A dollar per diner. Yeah. So they got so two, you- they got two bucks off of us from the restaurant. The restaurant pays that fee. Huh. Well, you know, you get a little rebate from Open Table after you book. <laughs> you get points. Yeah, we know all about the points. <laughs> points. Thing. Maybe we anyway, get some stock so. with the points. That would be a thought. So we walk into Coco, which um, I don't know. I, I don't think I've eaten there before. It used to be called Bizu, and it was much more of a French uh, bistro style. Now it's kind of... Um, New York bistro style, but it doesn't work. No, and we walked in. And, and it's stank. Dunk. Yeah, exactly. It was like cheese. Yeah, uh, some sort of bad-smelling cheese. was. Uh, you identified it. I just thought it was a horrible aroma of some sort. You, uh, that's why you handed me a Tic Tac. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, but anyway, so it stunk, and then the floor was loose, and we I had to change tables because every time someone walked by, I bounced out of my chair. I felt like I was on a cheap airplane. Yeah, you even said, uh, let, let, "Come on, let's go to Frangala. Let's go to Frangala." I said, "No, man, come on. We're committed. We're here. We're eating here. We're staying here." What we should have done is gone over to Florida Lee and just ate yeah, at the bar. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, um, what did we have? The salads were good. I remember that. Actually, all the food was fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the just food the was stinky. Thing was not not so nice. Stink. And also, the you know, you fell in love with the Mater D, and she gave you the finger. And no, she and did not. No, she did not give me the finger. Rocking it, and it's and the, yeah, I don't know. I do <laughs> overall experience with that. I love the Mater D. She was so beautiful, Maria. Maria. Uh, until I saw her feet. <laughs> and, and it was all over. It was downhill. Yeah, she's wearing. Uh, she's walking around barefoot or something. What was now, it? No, she had sandal things on. It's just, it just, just didn't have very attractive feet. Mm. And uh, and that combined with that cheese smell, it just, I don't know. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> it, it was not working. But we did have the one good bottle of wine. For Whoa! The trip. Oh man, that was that was spectacular wine. What was that? It was Pavilion Rouge du Chateau Margaux, two thousand three. Oh man, it was good. And your line was really funny. You said, this wine tastes like one of those expensive wines. <laughs> we usually have. We usually have. You know, and I realized, yeah, you know, expensive wine generally tastes like expensive wine. Uh, it, does. Really expensive. <laughs> it does. It does. expensive taste. This is expensive. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I got a bottle of that um, Golden Star Tea. Oh, yeah. You know, don't you mention that? I forgot mine's still in the trunk. Oh, you dick. I asked you to try it. I wanted you, to, I uh, wanted to compare experiences. Well, I have tried it. I had it at the, at the, at the food fair. Uh, they had it there. I had a bunch of it because the guy said, wow, this has got a great, you know, and I gave me, so we'll have some more. So I had a lot of it. And, uh, you know, my objection to the stuff from the beginning was it was expensive and it's kind of pricey, but it is delicious. So it's, um, actually, I know a little bit more about the process. Naturally fermented, so it's a sparkling tea, and I th- believe I had the jasmine. Yeah, naturally fermented, small batch, craft brewed. Takes about six weeks from water filter to what's FOB? Free on board. I don't know. <laughs> Fob. The brewing happens in the Bay Area in Belmont, and uh, they've only had a, one run so far. And and I got to tell you that I shared it with uh, Andrew Grummet. And oh, is it Kari who sits behind you? What, Capuro? The tall girl? Uh, yeah, Reg- Regina. Regina. I'm sorry. I always get uh, Kari and Regina. Kari's on the other side behind Andrew. Got it. Right. Uh, and so Regina was there. I said, would, would you mind trying this and tell me what you think? And we all agreed that it was and as an alternative to drinking wine, it would be fantastic. If you really were not into wine and you just wanted something that has, you know, that feels a little special, has a little special um, taste to it. And then Regina comes out and says, yeah, a picnic. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> Regina, when I come back, baby, we're going on a picnic. I'm taking my golden star with me. A picnic. A picnic. Hey, 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 boo-boo. You should try it, man. They want to sponsor the show. I'll try it. I'll put it in the refrigerator and I'll drink it up. They're talking about Uh, sponsoring the show, but uh, you and I have kind of gotten over that, I think. Well, you know, they could sponsor something. I mean, it's obviously we we like the product. Um, Well, I like the product. You can't really remember. 
I do remember it has. I remember one distinct thing. It had a really delicious aftertaste that was very memorable. It probably would have been as just as good as the uh, Vino Verde that we had at the uh, Limon. Jeffrey says, uh, Adam, you're most welcome. Dvorak was such a buzzkill. I offered to give him some, and he declined. <laughs> he never did. <laughs> he says he did. No. <laughs> Dvorak is such a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, way to go on the sponsorship uh, work there, John. Good one. Good one. Dude. <laughs> Crazy. Is that the guy from uh, White Star? Golden Star. It's not White Star. I thought it was White Star. It's Golden Star. Which sounds sure. more like a, an adult film label to me. Now, on, on Golden Star. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Oh? Yeah, I have some... I'll tell <laughs> oh, you this oh John. Here's, and now, here it comes, folks. You thought, when is the show going to end? This is it. So I had some uh, some years and years and years ago, I found in my portfolio, I think somebody bought it for me or whatever, some stock, and I think the name is Golden Star or Gold Star Entertainment. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Golden Star. And uh, Berlin have, like, on Golden Star. And I don't really, know where this really you own is. shares in it? Oh, that's great. <laughs> shares in it. So I don't know. I figure it was some, I don't know what it is. But well, I have the stock. If you ever, and this is for the audience out there, because it, it was available in the United States. I have a copy on VHS. Uh, it's called Hot Pursuit. And it is a uh, it's a porn movie, uh, X-rated at at, at least, uh, and the voice of the lead guy character, who's a detective, is me. And it received a fully erect penis award from Hustler magazine. Was it a dubbed thing you were doing? Yep. They had hired this guy. This uh, I was like I was seventeen at the time. So you were dubbing porn when you were seventeen. It's actually how I does met. That, it's how I met my does wife. Does that qualify as kitty porn then? <laughs> In England, it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how I so met I Patricia. I'd say that you were a kitty porn star before you got your hey, starting. Hey, show. John, let's not say that, okay? It's <laughs> like not a very good idea. All right, I won't say it. But uh, get your hands on that. <laughs> Bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, when do you want to do the show? Well, I don't know. We can do it Tuesday. We can do it Thursday. Well, let's just see what happens, what's going on, and we'll we'll check in with each other. Wednesday is not good for you, though, right? Wednesday is definitely not going to be the day because you got cranky well, geeks. You got all no, that well, stuff. No, I had to go to the city, and they have the you know all hands on deck meeting. I, I think that's changing. I think I think we've. Uh, I think that we've probably pissed on that enough that it's no longer going to be called All Hands. They'll go back to FUBAR or WUBAR. Well, I don't care what it's called. It's going to be on <laughs> Wednesday morning. And uh, so that yeah. ruins the chances of doing this show unless, you know, I just bag that. No, no, just... no. I can't bag it. I got I to gotta be a part well, of so the All Hands. You have to be on the conference call, so yeah. that's not going to work. Right. Although we could just do the show and wow, <laughs> the meeting. Yeah, here's the meeting. Okay, now we've always really wanted to talk open and honestly with y'all. Here we go. First of all, at least three of you in this office are smoking meth. We know it, and it's a fact of life. Because you have no butts. Because <laughs> you have no butts. 
all right. All right, so I guess that's that. Yeah. I'm going to go cause I get geared up for the Super Bowl and those fantastic ads. <laughs> Are you doing twit? Is, is a twit scheduled before the, the, the No, bowl? he's doing it right during the game. He doesn't like football. So during the game? Doing, pretty much, yes. So regular time then? Yeah. Mm. That's pregame. Well, they actually they're going to start. I don't know when they three o'clock. Don't they start? Don't, but but doesn't Twitch start around three? I like listening. I love listening to that thing and watching the chat. It's so funny. Yeah, it is funny. The chats, the chat people on the are hilarious. Mm. They're just kibitzers. Hey, and and tell Leo it wouldn't kill him to give our show a plug. I mean, I talk about Twit all the time. He actually plugged you last time. Oh, really? He mentioned it. Yeah. yeah, he did. Uh, I couldn't listen all the way to the end last time. It was too late. I had yeah, to he does it at the end. Okay. I dude. Uh, so, yeah. Until uh, Tuesday or Thursday, <laughs> coming to you from the Curry Terrace in Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And from Gitmo Nation West, actually northern Silicon Valley, and perhaps even the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay Area, and somewhere in the Berkeley region, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again next week in our roles as Crackpot and Buzzkill on No Agenda.